The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Well, our nation has certainly uh, been going through a, boy, a roller coaster ride with Hurricane Harvey. And prior to that, uh, we, had, we were just kind of getting over the whole Charlottesville thing. And I, I got thinking as I looked at this text, our nation is again dealing with the collective guilt of slavery. And I was listening to, uh, he's actually the history professor at West Point, Colonel Ty Sidual. And I was listening to him on a uh, little uh, video and he was talking about how slavery really started in the States in 1619 in Jamestown and wasn't declared um, abolished until 1865. That's 245 years that it was active in what we call our country. And, 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 and here we are um, this much later and it's still, that national sin is still has repercussions. Um, now he did mention some good news, like for instance, racism has decreased like in 1960, in the 1960s, the year, the decade I was born, only 4% of our citizenry thought that mixed marriages were okay. Now, 87% of the population thinks it's fine. And so that's positive progress. Um, and so the national struggles with sins persist, but today we look at Psalm 38, which is actually personal struggles with sins and its implications and how it continually rocks the soul of a saint like David and rocks our souls. And this isn't talking about sin from without, but really sin that comes from within. And, and, and David is actually in Psalm 38, borderline despair. And so we ask, why is this Psalm here? One of the benefits of preaching through a book of the Bible or books of the Bible or like Psalms is you can't skip a text like this. This would be a nice one to sort of skip. It's not like something, I don't know of anybody who would like take this as their life chapter. Uh, and, 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 and before we go any further, um, let me just say that, that as we talk about this text and it deals with the, the, the issue of sin, we are people of the gospel and we believe that sin uh, demands God's justice, but God's justice has been satisfied in Jesus. And so as as we wrestle with this, it reminds me of a, a friend of mine. He's a devout atheist, and we get together for coffee and talk. And and uh, he we we still like have have the same goals. We want to have a sinless future that goes on forever. He thinks sinless sinlessness will come as 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 corporately we evolve to that utopian state of human existence, like or you know. Uh, and he, he believes that science will discover how we can live forever. So he believes in a eternal existence without sin. And, and of course, I do too, but I don't think we're going to evolve to that place. Christ had to come and that our bodies, which are racked with sin, must die so that we can be resurrected to a, a, uh, a, a perfect body without sin marred uh, deep in our, our cells. These worldviews, it's interesting, um, uh, as I think about it and we get together and talk, one of the challenges I've raised with my friend is, so where's the remorse? I mean, sin to you is sort of like just imperfections, but where's the remorse 
the sense of shame and guilt over, over sin. And why would there be that? And why do we feel that if it's just us evolving? Today's text doesn't allow us to sort of like pretend that sin is no big deal. It, it like brings, a, it's like opening a wound that's been healed for a while. And we find that the psalmist is alone in his struggle with sin. And what we're going to see tonight, uh, and this is a large text and it's a heavy text, but we're going to see uh, David, is when he's alone in his sin, he fears the weight of God's wrath. He feels the devastation of sin. And he waits for God's coming, the answer to that. And so those are sort of like the three things we'll look at, is that, the, that, that in our, when we're alone in our struggle with sin, we are fearing the weight of God's wrath. We are fearing or feeling the devastation of sin, and we're waiting for, for salvation's uh, answer. Before we go any further, too, let me just say this. This text seems to be written by David in later in his years, and it's not, it's not wrapped around one particular sin. There are seven psalms, Psalm 6, Psalm, I've got to look at it, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143, that are all these what we call penitential sins about remorse over sin. And some can be pegged to David's failure, specific ones, the most popular being Psalm 51, but not Psalm 38. And we seem he's writing this later in his life, and David's tracking with the Lord and listening to the Lord and doing things with the Lord, but it's kind of like that proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. You know that, that statement? It's that one little thing that added to the rest of the weight of his life that sort of just sprung the leaf, leak in the bow of his, his, the vessel of his life, and he just felt overwhelmed again by the shame and guilt and remorse of his sin. And I think that's common for all of us. We have these flashbacks we, we stumble and fall into sort of a perpetual struggle with sin and, and, and we just feel overwhelmed and alone in our sin. And so we've read, um, we're going to look at um, Psalm 38 and verses 1 through 8 as David, as we mentioned, he's alone in his sin and he fears the weight of God's wrath. Uh, Jay read it already, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again, uh, verses 1 through 8. Oh, Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Now hear that. Nor discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come up uh, down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. There it is again, my sin. For my iniquity has gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester. Boy, what, how descriptive is that? Because of my foolishness, I am utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day. I go about mourning for my sides are filled with burning, probably indigestion or just because of the, 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 the turmoil inside of him. And there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. King David knows the rebuke and discipline of the Lord. And that's not what he's, that's not what he's afraid of. He's wrestling with the fear, not of God's discipline or rebuke, but the anger and wrath that 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 we uh, we know we sort of deserve. Um, now the wrath of God mentioned right here is not like one of those topics we like to talk about a lot. Um, 
Let me just read uh, what Wayne Grudem says in his systematic theology. He says, if God loves all that is right and good and all that conforms to his moral character, then it should not be surprising that God would hate everything that is opposed to his moral character. It's closely related to his holiness and justice. Descriptions of God's wrath are found frequently in the narrative passages of the scriptures, especially when God's people sin greatly against him. So, so we love we love to to bask in the love of God, and that's a good thing. That that will be our that's our dwelling place. But the reality is, the love of God stands in juxtaposition to the wrath of God that 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 must be executed against all of the infringements upon His moral character. That doesn't put us in a good place. I read this, and I just I I just. I feel like the billions of sins Dave Pinckney has committed, oh my goodness, how could God love me? Moses reminds the people of Ex- in, in Exodus, actually the second giving of the law, as they've traveled those 40 years in Deuteronomy, says, remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. Even at Mount Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. All right, so here David is writing this psalm, and he expresses his fear of the wrath of God. That's normal. We all wrestle with this sense that God is mad at us. But we know there's more to it than that. Because as Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And here, here's, here's how the gospel helps us with this fear of God's wrath. God's wrath is already being feel, felt on the world. The, the Romans 8, uh, Romans 8 talks about the earth groaning under the curse and weight of God's wrath. And Jesus says, if you believe in him and trust in him, eternal life means you've been delivered from the wrath of God. David was fearful that his sin would result in the full weight of God's wrath. That fear was not accurate. You parents know it's like to you know, to take your children to places where they might be afraid of certain things and you just reassure them that they need not be afraid because you're with them, you know what's going on. You calm them down, but their fear is real. David's fear is real. My fear is real. Your fear is real that somehow that that the wrath of God that was poured out in Christ um, didn't count your sins and that somehow the wrath of God is coming our way. Understand, David didn't have a full picture of the, of the redeeming work of Jesus. And David was okay with the rebuke and discipline, but he feared these things. And on top of it, he was feeling it in his body. He goes on, we've, we've read these texts, but he talks about there's no soundness in my flesh because of, my, uh, because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. Verse four, my iniquities, plural, have gone over my head. Like, I mean, I'm just drowning like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Verse five, verse seven, my, my sides are filled with burning. There is no soundness in my flesh. Tums aren't helping me. 
I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart, verse 8. And so we, 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 we can, our, our culture is systemic with depression and anxiety and all that. And let's be honest, majority of that can be linked to sin. Yeah, there's chemical imbalances and stuff, but reality is, is, is we, we live in a culture and we ourselves live in a culture. I live, live with this sense where our sin has, has weighed us down and, and, and it affects us. And the real and negative impact of on sin is not just a moral implication, but it has physical and mental implications as well. Let's move on to the second part here. Alone in his sin, David felt the devastation of sin. We've read about some of it, but it goes on there in verse 9. He says, and, and, and it's not just personal devastation, it's relational. Listen to this, how it affects his life and his relationships. Oh Lord, verse 9, all my longing is before, no, yeah, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. In the light of my eyes, it is gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. David has experienced rejection because of whatever Whatever sin he's wrestling with, it has affected his relationships. Verse 12, those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. David has gone silent. He's like numb. Now, there's a, there's a virtuous side of this. He's trying not to answer the people who are, and he's a politician too. He's a king. So, you know, the, the more exposure you have when you screw up, the more sort of incoming there is, right? So David's dealing with all that. And clearly his, his sins were more public than most of us are used to. But here he's, he is dealing with the real sense that sin has devastated him. For my devotions, I've been using the New City Catechism, and um, catechisms throughout church history are, is, is a, a, a compilation of uh, questions and answers designed for memorization and recitation to help teach others the core doctrines of the faith. And so in the New City Catechism, question number 16 is this, what is sin? And the answer, I don't have it memorized, but the answer is sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death, and listen to this last line, and the disintegration of all creation. The disintegration of all creation. What was meant for God's glory and his pleasure, the earth, our bodies, all that we know is disintegrating under the weight and influence and poison of sin. David said, my heart throbs. My strength fails me. There's this internal weight of sin. Uh, Paul would write in Romans 7, he'd say, for I have a... If I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want, I keep on doing. 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? Answer to come in a moment. He, he's also dealing with how sin has affected his relationships. He talked about my friends, my companions, the nearest of kin. You, we all know what, how our anger or our embellishing truth or lying or addictions have affected those in our lives. We've all experienced how our sin affects others and how it devastates and disintegrates relationships. That is what David is um, wrestling with now. So to recap where we are, David alone in his sin, however, this last wave flew over him or blew over him, knocked him down. Whatever he did, it was public enough that people knew about it. He, he is afraid of the wrath of God. He is feeling the devastation of sin internally and relationally. But the last thought, and, we'll, and this, is, this is how the, the, the text ends, verses 15 through 22, alone in our sin, we wait for God's saving answer. Alone in our sin. Let's see, we got ahead of ourselves there. Back up uh, a slide there. Is it Aaron? Or, yeah, back up a slide. Can you back up a slide? You don't have it? Who's got it? But it won't do it. There isn't a slide. Oh. Maybe I, alone in our sin, we wait for God's. Yeah, that one right there. That's the one. Yep, yep. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to my help, O Lord, my God. No, repetition, right? How many times do you say, O Lord, God? I mean, he's saying, I, I, all, all, uh, all I have is you. That's all I have. And the last word in this psalm is salvation. As we wait, we, we know what this like healing takes time with our bodies, right? Um, break a bone, takes a while for it to set and mend. Deliver, deliver, my, my wife had twins, they had the C-section and, and uh, you know, it took a while for her to recover from that. Um, when we have illnesses, we were in Mexico earlier in the uh, first week of August and I, ga- I came down with something down there and I'm still trying to get over it. It's uh, still lingering. Hopefully I'm not contagious. Uh, healing takes time. Recovery from sin takes time. It just, it just devastates us in a way that it takes time. And so we find David waiting for God's salvation. We're, we continually wait for God's healing grace. Can you imagine... So uh, we called the psalm series this summer of the, the songs of Jesus. Imagine how Jesus meditated on this psalm. Because he wasn't dealing with his own sins, but he would bear the sins of mankind. And he would, he would wrestle with the weight of sin and waiting for God's redeeming 
or not redeeming, but saving work in his, as he gave himself over to become the enemy of God and the wrath of God was poured out on him. And, and he died in our place to forever bear the scars of being separated from his eternal love, his father. He's resting in the father's plan. And, and so Jesus meditated upon this and wrestled with the weight of, and, and, and so one of the things we understand with this text is we have a Lord who understands what it's like to wait under the devastating weight of sin and the wrath of God. Now, we go to the next slide. There we go. The responses. So how do we respond to this? Well, think of our, first of all, there's a title to this psalm. The psalms get titles often. And this title to this psalm is a psalm of David for, memorial, for the memorial offering. Understand the tabernacle was still there. The temple hadn't been built, but you would, you would often go down to the tabernacle to offer different offerings. But one of the things you would offer are sin offerings, guilt offerings, those sorts of things. David wrote this psalm for the memorial offering. Now, fast forward to Jesus. And Jesus would offer himself and then give us a memorial to remember that our sins have been paid for. We'll, we'll, we'll conclude the service tonight with communion and song. And Jesus, this, this, this simple bread and cup is a reminder of his death, that, that all the sins that we grieve over and fear the wrath of God for and, 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 and deal with the devastating effects of, Jesus wants us to remember he has made the ultimate offering. Romans 3.24 says we are justified, justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, the word propitiation, he took the wrath of God. So though we fear the wrath of God, we have Jesus, and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so there's that fear of the wrath of God, Perfect love has cast out fear. Christ is perfect love. He cast out that fear. You're in Christ. You need not fear the wrath of God. Another response. So remember that, 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 that this points to the salvation that Christ has provided. And so with all of our struggle, all of our fear with the wrath of God, all of the devastating effects of sin, we have Jesus to, as, as the offering that was given that satisfies all of that. Second, confess and ask for prayer. James 5, 14 through 16 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him, them pray for the, him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And listen, it says this, And if he has con committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We're not really good with this. We, 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 we're afraid of rejection and we're afraid of shame. But I'm going to tell you the safest thing you can do with the struggle you have with sin is, is talk to a sister or brother about it. Confess it to an elder. Ask for prayer. And yes, there are physical ramifications for sin that may be lingering. And, and now just, here, just, just let me time out here and go, it is not our job to walk around and go, oh, She's sick. She must be in sin. That is not, that, that, that is not, that's not fair game. What's fair game is if you're wrestling with 
with ailments, you have the option, not option, you have the obligation. It's a good, it's a good diagnose, self-diagnosis. Going, Lord, is this because of sin? <clears throat> this is going to be my assumption. Just like good parents do not discipline their children without their children knowing what they did wrong to get the discipline, so you will not be suffering with sickness or illness or whatever without it having a clear tie-in to something that, that the Lord's disciplining you for. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. But this, 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 this great gift we have of unloading our shame so that the, the people of God can say to us, you're forgiven. I can still remember a, a, a I don't know if it was breakfast or lunch, uh, uh, on North Main Street in Concord at Friendly's back in the uh, late 90s with a, a brother elder. And I was wrestling with some shame and guilt with stuff. And I had never talked to anybody about it And at that table. And, and vice versa, actually. But we, I was, it was this amazing experience. I still remember sitting there. And I, I would say I'd remember the booth, but now they've uh, completely refurbished a place so it's not the same but I remember sitting there and talking and feeling from him and hearing from him full acceptance as if he were Jesus finally normal Christian women oh go back don't tell yeah, yeah normal Christian maturity includes humble and honest struggle with sin David is a role model for us if you're not wrestling with sin on a on a you know somewhat regular basis, there's a there's a good semblance that maybe you're not, you know, you, the Holy Spirit's not convicting you, and you're sort of like playing religion and thinking your religion is based upon your behavior, and you're pretty good because you showed up to church on Saturday night of all play times. No, no, no. Normal mature Christians wrestle with sin, and and just just accept that. In fact, when G- Jesus' first sermon out of the gate, we call it the Beatitudes. He's saying, uh, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize they're morally bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, or, or, and he's talking about over their sin, because they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who walk around realizing I'm a mess by the grace of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall be called children of God. I think that's how that one goes. But those descriptors are how normal followers of Jesus respond to their sin and find the grace in Jesus. Okay, put up that last picture. This this is a picture. So back in 2004, Mel Gibson um, directed and uh, produced uh, The Passion of the Christ, and um, Jim uh, Caviezel uh, played Jesus. And here's this is a picture of them... Um, you know, during a break of sh- from shooting and they're sitting in the director's chair and they're just chatting there. And a friend of mine posted that picture and says, this is me telling Jesus about my pain. We do not have a high priest who does not understand. We, we have a high priest who fully understands the struggle with sin and, and the weight of sin. He fully, and so this is a great reminder that, that we, when we talk to Jesus about our sin, he's not going, oh, not you again. He fully understands. He fully understands. He knows our pain and our struggle. And so we can run to him with our, our guilt and our shame and our struggle. I think for us, this is a, a great psalm 
to say that our struggle with sin, as harsh and hard as it is, is answered in the all-embracing comfort of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Psalm 38. Uh, Thank you for enlightening us to the truth that's in Christ, that uh, though we feel ashamed and we wrestle with the guilt and 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 the, and the just the embarrassment of constantly stumbling and struggling with with our attitudes and our greed and our lust and our our malicious talk and all that, Lord, that you you humbly receive, confessing broken sinners who are look, leaning and looking to you for for grace and peace. Thank you that the last word of this psalm is salvation, that you save sinners. You came into the world to save. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you love us. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Father, my special prayer tonight is for those who are wrestling with the weight of sin or they haven't fully given you their sin. They haven't experienced the the embrace of Christ or they're living in just constant hidden struggles with sin and are are too afraid to talk about it. Lord, I pray that the perfect love of Christ would cast out fear and that my friends here would experience the fullness of being accepted and loved and embraced in your eternal work and your eternal plans. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.